Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. Today's podcast is with a dynamic duo. We have Dylan Rice and Maggie Wheeland from the City of San Francisco's Entertainment Office. I met them through the inimitable Jocelyn Kane, and she's referred to several times during this podcast. She and I met through the Music Cities conversations at South by Southwest and many other places, taking a look at all the things that are happening in cities across the world, and we'll be talking more about that in future podcasts. I came up and did an event with Jocelyn and Dylan and Maggie, talking to people up in San Francisco, talking to various venues, performers, organizations about what's happening in San Francisco. And for this podcast, they'll be sharing what's happening in San Francisco and the dynamics of attempting to nurture and cultivate music in a expensive living environment that makes it challenging to have events in venues, outside, live in the city, work in the city. So we're going to have fun time talking with Dylan, who came from Chicago, where he was both a musician there, now a musician here in San Francisco, trying to make his life uh, accommodate being both a performer and working with the city. And Maggie, longtime San Franciscan, who came in from the film office, looking at similar issues in film and bringing those to the music sector and a singer herself, bringing all of the pieces of creativity, public policy, and being heavily involved in great cities. So enjoy talking with them and you'll hear conversations referencing Jocelyn as part of the picture. She has now moved on to a retirement, but a lot of her footprints are heavily in the sand in San Francisco. And so please enjoy this conversation with them talking about what's happening in San Francisco and music. Dylan, you want to maybe start us off as to how you got to what you're doing? I've been singing and playing guitar most of my life. So I've, I've been performing and recording rock and folk and pop music. So with that sort of passion, I've always had that. Um, when I was in Chicago, after I graduated from college, I, I was uh, doing my own sort of, I was playing different bands. And then I got into um, event production, working in conjunction with the city of Chicago's venues. So Millennium Park, Chicago Cultural Center, doing cultural programming. And then I was working at Navy Pier, which is a major um, municipal mixed-use pier uh, doing music programming and you know, booking concerts there. Then I got into music policy and music industry development, working for the city of Chicago. And so I've, I've kind of worn different hats in terms of being on the, you know, the, in, in the actual field or in the, in the trenches producing the concerts, performing the concerts, and then also sort of high-level bird's-eye view, you know, how do we you know, sustain and develop and grow music ecosystems at a sort of government way. I've had interesting sort of mix of, of perspectives and experiences. And then I was ready for a complete change. And um, I heard about this position opening up for the city and county of San Francisco. And it was an opportunity to start a new program with the city. So um, here I am working for the Entertainment Commission. And I I get to help um, outdoor community and cultural events you know, be more successful, be more sustainable, 
And that's through policy development, that's through resource sharing, professional development, community development. So that's that's where I've been for the last two years. Now, are uh, you still doing rock, folk, and pop? Yeah. So I, I just actually, just, I've been in the studio past couple of weeks. It's hard moving from one city to the next city because you have all these relationships in the previous city and then you kind of have to start over. So I'm, I'm trying to get back into the scene here, but I've, I've already recorded nine tracks and I'm getting ready to get a drummer and a bass player to play on it and I will never give it up. It will always be part of me. And that's an interesting thing about being a city in music is that it is a it's a creation ecosystem, not just a performance ecosystem. And so you really, I mean, some, some folks for Los Angeles comment, it takes you at least three years to figure out how the heck LA works as a music city. So it's sort of an interesting framing of coming to a city as both doing great public policy work, as well as trying to figure out the creative side of it all. Yeah. And I think, and there's just been some new songs I've been able to write as a San Franciscan. I think stuff that I maybe I couldn't write as a Chicagoan. So, you know, I think, I think there's, all sorts of stimuli and, and circumstances that can sort of shape your creative path. So when you've got stuff coming out, we'll change the, the notes to go with this show and we'll add links to what you're going okay. bringing to the <laughs> table you. here. Now, Maggie, how about you? How did you end up in, in this seat? So I have been working in the public sector almost my entire career since college. Um, you know, I actually started out working on events as well, you know, through college. And then right after college, I was putting on events in the city. I, I was raised in San Francisco. So I guess I'm what uh, you would call a San Francisco native. <laughs> um, you know, one of the first jobs I had out of college was putting on large-scale uh, events in four uh, neighborhoods in San Francisco to um, educate the public around emergency preparedness. Uh, it was actually the 20th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. Through that position during event production, I worked very closely with the city and county of San Francisco and started to build relationships with folks here and was offered a position to work in the mayor's office. Um, and at the time, it was Mayor Gavin Newsom, now Lieutenant Governor. And, you know, I was working as his scheduler, and from there, you know, have worked in several different positions over the last nine years, including, um, you know, working then under Mayor Lee, and then at the Department of Environment, and then at the Film Commission, and that's really where I started to get my feet wet in permitting. You know, I'm very passionate about arts and culture in San Francisco, and so I met Jocelyn early on, who's uh, my predecessor, who, you know, former executive director of the Entertainment Commission, and she um, appointed me deputy director three years ago, you know, because she knew that I had the background with city government. She knew that I understood permitting for events in the city through my work in the film office. And she also knew that I was music obsessed because, you know, in my first <laughs> job in the mayor's office, you know, I met her and I was going to shows like two or three times a week and, you know, constantly reaching out to her, seeing what was what was hot and what was new. And, you know, in my personal life, I, I haven't really prioritized it in the last couple of years, but I, I do sing and I've been in a couple of bands. 
have, you know, been on the stage since I was a kid doing stage acting. And so I'm passionate about this work. And I think just more so, um, or a little bit different than Dylan, mostly just been in the public sector. But yeah, really excited to be here. So I met Jocelyn at South by Southwest in the many conversations over the years that have happened with different cities coming to the table, talking about the challenges that they have. And San Francisco is maybe stereotypically known by a lot of people about the fact that you've got the big tech companies and that real estate is in the more expensive realms in the United States. Can you guys maybe take a couple minutes to take us through for the people who don't know San Francisco at all. What is music like in San Francisco now? So I can kick us off with, you know, I think to frame it in the way that you're talking about being a very expensive city in the United States, but really in the world. I think there was an article that came out a couple weeks ago saying that we now have the highest rent uh, per capita in the entire world. (laughs) Wow. We have a lot of prosperity here, but I think we really need to start focusing on is providing that prosperity to all of San Francisco as best we can. I think the Entertainment Commission serves a purpose in in providing entertainment to everyone. That's a goal of ours because, you know, we are seeing a lot of residential development in San Francisco trying to provide for this huge influx of people coming to our city and, and wanting to get involved in the tech industry here, which has been booming for quite some time, as I'm sure you're aware. And so we're trying to catch up to that demand of people coming to the city. And in doing so, Jocelyn actually you know, was a huge leader in our industry because she worked with then-supervisor uh, London Breed, who's our mayor now, to put forward legislation that would preserve and protect nightlife from residential development as best we can. So on the front end, we are, you know, we have a process in place now that, you know, due to the passing of that legislation since January 2016, we've been working with the planning department on the front end and providing recommendations for these developments that are coming in that also now include hotels and motels to, you know, basically keep sound from coming into the premises of a residential development as best as as they can. And so, you know, also linking them up with any surrounding existing music venues that could potentially be, you know, a quote-unquote nuisance. So we're trying to basically develop this kind of harmony and compatibility between residences and existing venues on the front end to try and protect them from going away. Because that's what we have seen as a trend is that, you know, these music venues are are being pushed out by residential development. You're seeing it actually all over the world. And thanks to Jocelyn and um, Mayor Breed, this is something that we were really at the forefront of and cities around the world are are repeating and copying that. Um, idea now and trying to provide compatibility on the front end to protect nightlife. And from my understanding as an outsider, 
having people actually document what the sound environment is before they come in to be building a construction project to acknowledge what already exists? Exactly, yeah. So we require that there's a sound study that be conducted on the front end for these developers to to conduct basically when there is entertainment happening. So, you know, we we make sure that they work with the existing venues so that they're looking at their calendar of events and they're going out and conducting a study during what typically would be the loudest times of the day and a week for entertainment. So usually Friday and Saturday evenings. And so, you know, it should be characterized correctly on the front end as like, okay, here's a loud night. Here's what we need to prevent against. And then what they would do is recommend um, higher, what we call STC ratings for windows, doors, and wall treatments to try to protect the residences from hearing sound from any surrounding entertainment venues. Interesting, because we tend to talk on this podcast and a lot of the conversations with the center about technologies around entertainment, don't tend to think about physical technologies, about the about the actual physical space, mm-hmm. that we definitely have some friends who work on the kind of fun, crazy end of that, but not necessarily the actual structural side of that. Right. What is then the nightlife like now in San Francisco and music? I tend to think of it as, I mean, I, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I lived in San Francisco when I was like in kindergarten, so I'm not the best person to. to but I, I tend to think of San Francisco as, as groups of really cool neighborhoods. Um, is is that how music tends to get delivered there live, or what is live music like? Yeah, I think we're divided in, in neighborhoods in the city. You can call them neighborhoods or, or districts, or however you want to look at it, and. You know, we have our our music venues that have been here for uh, some of which for decades, right? And they've just changed names and changed hands, but the space is physically the same. And those are really, you know, those are our cultural hubs, some of which are, are, you know, quite big, like the Fillmore that's been around since the um, 1960s, or, you know, um, spaces that are small and south of market that, you know, provide drag shows or, you know, some different fun and creative ways to present entertainment. Those are our places that, you know, we we tend to frequent, at least I can speak for Dylan and myself and <laughs> my yeah. group of friends. I definitely see... Um really rich, rich scene when it comes to electronic music here and a really rich scene with, with rock and with jazz, definitely in those scenes. Um, I'm very interested in day life music. So that would be street fairs, concerts in the park, that things like that. And that's, that's my bailiwick really in terms of what I do for my job. But, you know, there are, there are so many fabulous legacy street fairs and, festivals in the parks that have been around for so many years that are are still going but they're they're feeling the pinch of not just challenges with with the cost of living but also with the the encroachment of new development and you know we have uh one um nightlife district which is called south of market or, or soma which is what we call it here which um used to be the place to go when you wanted to stay up late and hear loud music and now it still is that, but it's also a place where a lot of people want to build condos. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and just, you know, recently I've been working with, some, you know, a, a street fair that is, it's been around for almost two decades. And, uh, you know, they're just trying to deal with like 
oh gosh, there's a storage container in the street that's in my vent footprint. That wasn't there when they were planning it, and yeah. suddenly there's yeah. something and there. So there's, we have a challenge uh, as a city of, of you know, high-level department coordination, I think, when it comes to street fairs and other kinds of ident- events that are in the public way. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to improve coordination um, so these things can either be, like, prevented or just at least the event producer is more informed and can plan accordingly and be like, okay, well, if that's not going to move, then I know that I can work around it or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think those kind of pop-up platforms are so important for the music industry here. I mean, we need to preserve those just like we need to preserve these nightlife, you know, brick-and-mortar venues as well. I think that, you know, just speaking to this, like one of our biggest issue areas that we want to focus on is just infrastructure and like a lack of access to affordable space for entertainment in San Francisco. I mean, I think we're seeing the issue of infrastructure in in many different areas. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons why San Francisco faces massive displacement of artists and musicians and the cultural hubs they call the home. And it even attributes to cultural inequity and decreasing diversity among business owners. And so, you know, that's a goal of, of our office is focusing on equity because you know, we truly believe entertainment needs to be all over San Francisco, not just in the south of Market or our eastern districts. And so, you know, we want to begin addressing this issue of equity and how a program like that might look within the entertainment community. We want to support all of our stakeholders and our small business owners and be able to provide and create space for creative so that they can participate in in culture because entertainment matters and culture matters and you know we need to continue our legacy of of being a city that provides that because our our history is so rich for music here what type of things are part of the history of music in san francisco Again, when I was up there, I was a little too young to be enjoying and participating in the music scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, San Francisco's music history, is, it goes back to like the 1930s, really. Um, the Fillmore area was, was huge for music at that time. And you, know, you had jazz artists that were coming to San Francisco. Go um, and performing like Billie Holiday, um, and you know from there, like what you and I know probably more of is is the Summer of Love and and bringing in rock and roll and the counterculture to San Francisco in the sixties. And you know we had many hubs to host live music back then, and we had the famous promoter Bill Graham who got us start in San Francisco and concert promotion in the 60s and um, you know from there you know we know bands like the Grateful Dead got their start here and um, you know bands after that like we we went into an area uh, an era of punk rock and um, you know, we have, we can claim Green Day here. And, you know, after that, I think that electronic music was huge in San Francisco as well. And so we're, we want to keep that tradition alive and we want to continue to be um, a hub for music development. Thinking um, ahead is a lot of what I end up doing is looking at then the future impacts of some of this stuff. 
And in some cases, we're working on a project that I know we've talked about a bit, um, looking at the future of music in Los Angeles. And from a from a hypothesis that or questions around, if I have anything streamable at my fingertips, do I need to go to a live concert? And in our work so far, we're finding really interesting pieces of that question. And then um, how are the new technologies impacting on a positive side or a competitive side, live performance and bringing people together? What have you guys been seeing on how streaming's been affecting local music or innovations are uh, impacting local music? I think a lot of bands and artists in general have really been leveraging technology to either sustain or increase their their following. I know people that just keep Facebook accounts just so they can find out what concerts or what events are happening. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's an interesting message. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like know. why you used to have my, you used to keep your MySpace account so you can have pictures for Throwback Thursdays. No, no, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, that's one. Yeah, you know, that's one reason to, uh, to keep it. You know, to not to not miss out on these opportunities. I think certainly Facebook Live is a powerful tool to broaden awareness of an artist and their content. I'm, I'm not convinced that Facebook Live is a, is a competition to someone actually going into a, a, a club and, and having that visceral, you know, per, intimate sort of experience with being in front of an artist doing making work live. I just see this being an enhancement or a complement to this larger sort of success as, as a tool. I see people uh, using dating apps to advertise. They call them parties, but they're really DJ concerts, essentially at clubs. You know, with these these pop up ads. Like I know Grinder and Scruff are doing that in the LGBT community. Meg, you'd mentioned that there's yeah. this app that you get discovered. Uh, right, like Star Maker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, an interesting app. It's one of those where you can like sing along to a song that's already famous and, you know, you can potentially make your break that way. You know, I wanted to just say this is funny this week. I My staff has been making fun of me because I went to my first fish show last week ah, <laughs> and, okay. um, in Lake Tahoe. And then I decided I needed to go and see them locally. And so I went and saw them at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium this week. Um, and the day that I went to that show, I was hearing that they were actually live streaming the show, which, you know, to me, this topic is it's it's got two totally different sides and I can argue both of them. You know, I, I really, really, really think it's important to go and see live music in person, like bottom line. Um, I think that it's important for every human being to participate in live music because it can, it can really change you. You know, being at that show this week was incredible. I've, I've never seen Bill Graham at capacity and it was kind of beautiful to see a sea of people out there loving and enjoying this music. But at the same time, you know, I paid a hundred dollars for that ticket and that's a lot of money. And what I was just speaking to about equity and access to entertainment, I do believe that, you know, live streaming, if you can't go and attend a concert, if you can, you know, enjoy the music and still support the artists from home, you know, that, that definitely has some merit as well. I think there's the, the power of discoverability with those kinds of free streaming opportunities. I think if, you know, if artists are smart, they can capture that data, 
you know, and they can they can target those people that, that have those views, you know, with like, oh, well, here's here's where we're going to be in your, you know, in your town, or, um, you know, we just released a, uh, a single, you know. I, I do think, though, there is also the challenges of monetizing streaming, too. I know many artists can't rely on streaming for money. It's just they get paid fractions of a cent for things like Spotify, for example, or YouTube. But it's it's an important piece of this larger marketing package that will not go away. So I think it's here to stay. And a lot of the challenge is that it's not just to be on the streaming services, but you have to be connected otherwise. I know that so far Sounds is up there, which is one tool that is in gigantic number of cities that are connecting new artists to new fans. Are there other things that are maybe San Francisco-centric that are happening that are connecting artists to each other or fans to, to concerts? So, so far, Sounds is, is definitely big here. I believe they started in the UK, right? Um, yep. Yep. There's also Airbnb Experiences, which is you know there to promote um, music experiences in an intimate setting so that you can live like a local. You know, Airbnb is is local to San Francisco. And so I, I definitely believe in, in programs like that. If it's, if that's what it's going to take to get the next generation of folks to go and enjoy live music. I think we're seeing live music cropping up in um, non-traditional venues. And so that's kind of a part of, of my role and the, the role of the entertainment commission to ensure that those spaces that are non-traditional are still, you know, in compliance with San Francisco city code and that we have ability to regulate those spaces. I mean, so far sounds has concerts and intimate settings in San Francisco in residences. And those are spaces that we can't permit. We actually, per our code, we couldn't permit a residential space, but when we see them cropping up in, in tech spaces in San Francisco, corporate offices, incubators, you know, we want to be able to capture that event so that we can make sure that they are up to code and they can provide healthy and safe space to their attendees. So um, are there other parts of the city that help also fund or instigate new art projects? Um, is there money coming into this anywhere? So new art projects, just very broadly, like or, or on the on the music side, uh, new side. projects are whether you know music arts commissions or folks who are funding growth. Yeah, so um, we have um, a great program that our economic development department runs called Invest in Neighborhoods, and they are um, looking at commercial corridors and cultural districts and trying to figure out how to activate those areas with. You know, entertainment or, or you know, music is, is, a, is a huge part of the entertainment. And so we've seen interesting partnerships between for-profit developers and, and non-profits that are chambers of commerce types, type models where they're, they're putting on, you know, like an a, a art walk that has live music or where they're putting on a street fair. And so those are definitely happening. And um, we have a, a really robust grant-making sort of strategy as a city in general for the arts. So we have we have Grants for the Arts, which is uh, its own department, and then we have the Arts Commission, which is, I think, 80 years old. And so those are you know, huge forces of, in terms of investment, and they give money to individual artists as well as to nonprofits um, to fund both projects and also fund operating expenses. 
Um, as far as I know, those budgets are still, still, you know, strong. They're not going down, which is really good news. We also, um, the Entertainment Commission partners with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development, which is actually under the mayor's office. And we have a partner in there who, you know, helps us with, you know, music promotion. He essentially, you know, he's very similar to Dylan, serves as a concierge to small business owners who are hoping to open uh, venues uh, that will provide live music and entertainment. And, you know, he helps walk them through the processes with the ABC and with the planning department. And he helps to promote uh, live music as well. And within his spectrum, he does have, you know, funding for research on what makes San Francisco a music city. So that's a project he is working on right now. And But, you know, in the future, it's a goal of ours. I mean, Dylan and I were just talking about the other day how amazing it would be to have our own grants program specifically for entertainment and outdoor events. And so hopefully we can update you and, you know, some years to come that we've developed a program like that so the festival scene what is the festival scene like there and how does that uh, i know that's sort of dylan's interface and working with the outside live performance side of things but how is how's that trending and are there cool things happening or afoot on the festival side for san francisco I think electronic music is hugely popular for outdoor, um, like, you know, street parties, you know, would, I would call street party when a bar wants to open up, you know, their, their block and, and, uh, have, have a stage and have a DJ there, you know, that those are popping up more and more. There's, um, you know, Burning Man was founded here and the Burning Man zeitgeist has, um, obviously traveled the world. But there is such a strong year-round presence here at Burning Man. So you have all of these sort of people who are running these Burning Man camps who are creating their own sort of identity as a promoter. And so, you know, you want to go to this, this you know, Pink Mammoth party or what's the other one I'm thinking about? Comfort and Joy is a famous camp and they have all, you know, they're doing more and more outdoor programming. So I think... I think that is an interesting trend that I'm seeing. But, you know, right now we just have all of these historic legacy festivals that are just trying to uh, sustain themselves. You know, I'm interested in this idea of, of how can these historic legacy events, you know, like the Fillmore Jazz Fair or like Carnival, how can, how can those, a diverse group of events thrive, you know, not just not just some of these um, corporate events, which are important too for the economy, but I want to make sure we have, you know, we have a fair, everyone gets a fair shake in terms of uh, the, 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 the makeup of, of the kinds of organizations and companies that are producing these events. Excellent. I know I, I want to also say that we need to get together socially and do something fun soon in one city or another. Yes. But in the meantime, is there anything else you guys would want to say to close out our conversation? Well, I, this has been such a pleasure. Um, <laughs> besides that, um... where do you see San Francisco in the next few years? Um, well, I mean, again, just to to 
talk about what we were talking about earlier in terms of some of our goals. I, I really want to focus on continuing to provide entertainment um, all over San Francisco if we possibly can. And so I don't know exactly how to do that yet. Uh, I think we need to get really creative about how we look at uh, this issue of infrastructure in San Francisco. And so that's likely going to be a big focus for us so that we can you know, continue to enhance and promote uh, the local music industry here, both inside and outside in, in Dylan's case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, that's that's kind of a, a huge goal for, for me, at least for this office. Um, and again, like I would also love to try and support um, creative programs that may require um, funding. And so trying to, to figure out a way in which we can develop a grant funding program would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, from the event side, I'm just optimistic about, you know, some of the work I've been doing to increase transparency of all the permitting rules and regs and all the support systems. And I, I see that finally catching on and I'm hoping that having the light shine, shown, the light shown or having the light shine on it, uh, will inspire, you know, policy change at a high level and inspire better interdepartmental uh, coordination when it comes to events. And I also, I also think that, you know, Maggie's talking about, you know, infrastructure and access for, for music and nightlife, but I also think that, you know, neighborhood compatibility is going to be something that's just a huge priority. You know, I mean, it is right now, but I, I can see it as being just with this increased development happening. I can see that as being such a huge uh, issue area that we will be addressing. And I think we have we have really great tools, thanks to Jocelyn and Mayor Breed, you know, with the legislation that protects nightlife establishments from development. So if anybody wants to follow what you're up to, or should they be following you on Twitter, website, how do they find your adventures? They can visit our website if they want to take out a permit. I feel like that's kind of our functioning side. That's sfgov.org slash entertainment. And then if you want to follow us for fun uh, information, I would check out our Facebook, which is Entertainment Commission. And from there, we also have an outdoor event producers page. So... We look forward to hearing from you. Great. Thank you guys for joining and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Gigi. Thanks, it's been a pleasure. Okay, guys. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.com. .ucla.edu Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.